Hello, and welcome to the 20th episode of the Meet the Entrepreneur podcast. This is Elham Chowdhury, and I am the host of this feature. Today, I'm speaking to Shaina Zafar, co-founder and CMO of Juve Consulting. Juve Consulting is a Gen Z-led marketing agency that helps clients create products, campaigns, and ideas that resonate with the Gen Z generation. So if you can just start off with you know, what Juve Consulting is, what your role on the team is, and yeah, we we'll go from there. Okay, awesome. So my name is Shaina. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the co-founder CMO here at Juve. And Juve is essentially a purpose-driven marketing company. So my team is entirely led, majority led by 14, year, 14 to 16, 26-year-olds. However, I do have some millennials on my team. Uh, so we're not uh, all young people necessarily, but you know, having some quote-unquote adults in the room is always great. And the work that we do is basically we work with Fortune 500s, nonprofits, brands, political campaigns to help them reach Gen Z. And the best way to do that is by going to a primary source. So having 16-year-olds tell you what's on their TikTok feed is the best way to know what 16-year-olds are thinking about. So that's essentially our ethos as a company. And we get to do research, strategy, and implementation work. And we just turned six in February. So now we're toddler age. So it's been quite a hot minute of doing this. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, what does that process look like? Like, you know, generating insights as to yeah. how um, Gen Z operates in the internet space. Um, there's like so many um, different types of devices now and just like so many touch points that um, they could essentially touch. So how, how does that process look like? I think traditional research mechanisms are just archaic and don't do a great job of understanding what our psyche is and also being able to contextualize the way that we think or why our normative behaviors are the way that they are depends on our lived experiences, right? So people are a product of their circumstances and a lot of conventional research treats people who are in Gen Z demographics or not in Gen Z demographics as guinea pigs rather than partners. So a lot of the way that we think about getting insights is understanding what questions to ask and understanding how our consumer journey or or even our social media journey or even the way that we live in our day to day is so much so formulated by pop culture, the stimuli around us and the environments around us, right? So if you don't know what a Finsta is, you can't ask a question about that. So fundamentally, it's reorienting the type of questions in our research methodology Uh, in terms of how we do it. I think the other part of it is like, it's great to have survey tools that are optimized or that can ask you multiple choice questions, or let's say it's like an app that you can ask questions through. But at the end of the day, the reason that our insights are so interesting is because when we're doing qualitative work with people, we're it feels like you're asking a peer a question, right? There's no power dynamic. So people are a lot more honest and Gen Z, excuse my language, has no bullshit filter. So they're a lot more honest with us in terms of telling us if they love something or if they think something's trash. Um, There's a level of vulnerability there that I think allows for a lot more authentic engagement rather than feeling like it's fabricated. Definitely, no, definitely for sure. And I I think, you brought up a good point about how like, you know, they they will be more willing to tell you the truth and um, actually like, you know, like you mentioned Finsta. I don't think like a traditional consulting firm that, you know, works on um, Generation Z insights will know that. Um, that's something that you're going to have to directly either know yourself or be told um, by a Gen Z uh, person. So um, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to kind of ask you about um, the next generation of mm-hmm. kids that are coming. So obviously, Generation Alpha, 
um, they're probably there's probably more insights on them <laughs> that we need to yeah. generate versus Gen Z. Like their attention span is probably shorter. Um, how they like what kind of platforms they use must vary drastically compared to Gen Z. So is there a line of business within Jew that's focusing on Generation Alpha or is it the pipeline? So my brother's six and I will say Gen Alpha is a creation of its own. It's completely different. He knows how to FaceTime, how to WhatsApp message. There's like Instagram video message. There's all these features that even I don't know about. And God knows what the metaverse is going to bring for this generation and these kids. But I would say that when I talk about Jew or, or the work that we do, I we're so mindful of having people that are from our generation be in those rooms and not only having necessarily one sole authority or this idea of youth experts is not something that we fundamentally believe in, right? We think you need a group of diverse young people to talk about their various different experiences to feel like you have an understanding of what some fraction of our generation thinks and we're not a monolith. So when we're asked about, you know, future-proofing or if we're going to think about Gen Alpha, like I want us to empower Gen Alpha with the tools to create their own businesses or their own implements and tools because it would be quite literally the antithesis of who we are if we were to go and become like a gen alpha consultancy or anything like that because we're not from that generation right so I think they're going to be shaped by their own individual experiences and it's not our place to necessarily do that however I think even as I think about the evolution of our work it's that we're not even necessarily focused on gen z specifically we're now talking about digital or purpose or how can you activate on these types of platforms that Gen Zers or young or young people are the ones creating the trends, but then they're adopted across generational lines. So I think even our work is not even necessarily limited to being so Gen Z hyper focused, but instead we understand digital and we understand purpose because those are things that matter to us as individuals. So now companies and brands come to us for those type of insights and learnings because they know we were quite innately connected to them. Makes sense. Makes sense. Great. Thank you for that. Um, I kind of wanted to transition to more of like you know your journey. Um, how exactly like you came up and um, you know where you are now um, essentially as a young Gen Z uh, CMO yourself um, you know how how does that look like because um, I just graduated two years ago Um, I can't even think of being like a CMO at a company like I just have a regular job and I'm super busy so how does that look like for you Um, and yeah just walk me through your journey. First thing, no such thing as a regular job. Secondly, I graduated a year ago and I feel so old because I turned 22 in December. It was my Taylor Swift year. And I was like, my God, I'm literally like, I wish I was a co- like a cosplay as a college student all the time. So I hear you on that. Um, secondly, I never thought that I would be doing this work. I never thought I would be in marketing. I was an international relations major. I thought I was going to work at the UN for the longest time. I met my co-founder competing against him in Model UN. I got first place, he got second. And then he was like, met me for three days and he's like, come join this thing. And I was like, absolutely not. You're crazy. I ended up doing it. So here I am almost five years later. But all of it to say that this is not what I necessarily expected. I think I always knew that, that I wanted to do work that fulfilled me though, right? Like impact and my values and ecosystem and my morals were things that I was not gonna compromise on. And I think I bring my whole identity to the work that I do, right? I'm Muslim, I'm South Asian, I'm a woman. And those type of things were not things that I wanted to inhibit my workplace. And quite honestly, like going to a school like Penn, I didn't know 
who McKinsey was. I didn't know what finance and consulting was. I didn't know who Goldman was, but somehow everyone was talking about these fields and being a first gen low income college student, financial stability was really important to me. So there were a lot of factors that I think were, you know, overlapping. And I got, I think in a lot of ways, very lucky. And I'm very grateful to be in the place that I am because I get so much autonomy and agency in my role on like Fridays, I can block off my calendar and I go to Friday prayer, right? I can like pray in the office. I can make my, I can cancel calls if I'm like walking in between meetings because I'm the one organizing the meeting. So I have a lot of flexibility and like even at the company, we have like unlimited mental health days if people want to take them. So being a very human company, I think really matters to us. And when I look at my peers, I'm further realizing how many disparities there are. And then I think in the wake of the great resignation, you're seeing the ramifications of having toxic workplaces in a lot of ways or normalizing toxic environment, like attributes of workplaces. So yeah. a long-winded spiel of all to say that it's not necessarily what I expected, but I think I always knew things that I wanted to value in a workplace. And I'm very lucky that I get those things now. And I think the tide has shifted that in a lot of typical corporate spaces, like now you can even ask for accommodation for some of these things, or they're finally learning the literacy to do that because yeah. if you're claiming to care about edib and you have a diverse web page that's one thing but if you don't have programming or capital or a board of directors that diverse to reflect that that's yeah. where the tension point begins so i think those are all things that um i like think about first in the work that i'm doing is like coming from a values-based ecosystem and i'm very lucky and grateful that i get to be a part of that no, no, that's great. That that all sounds amazing. And, and once again, you know, like the fact that um, you're a Gen Z yourself um, is definitely an inspiration. So, um, and, you know, the fact that you're able to not lose your self uh, identity in the process is a uh, huge, so um, huge kudos to that. Um, what would you say was the biggest hurdle for Juve to overcome? That's a great question. There's a few things. I think the first thing is running a company with other of other Gen Zers. Like Gen Zers are hard to manage. Like I am getting to work with some of my best friends and I'm getting to mesh my personal and my professional life. If I'm going to an event that's let's say a concert because we have a personal connection to someone, like I'm bringing my coworker who also is my friend. So I think the dynamics of being in the workplace and having people literally become best friends is so powerful because that's not the norm at most companies because your manager is like 40 years old and they're like asking you about your plans on the weekday or weeknight and they're not coming with you to them, you know? So people, so many people on my team independently of their interactions with me are literally best friends. And I think that's amazing because they can spend time together, but it does complicate the workplace and figuring out how to balance that and how to have a level of rapport with people when they're your same age or sometimes like I'm like almost you know managing older folks right that's so interesting as a 22 year old so I think there's an interesting power play there and then I think the other part of it is that I'm gonna let this pass because it's I don't know if you can hear the siren I live right next to a fire department okay I'm used okay then I'm gonna be quiet I'm gonna keep talking so I apologize about that introduction (laughs) um post movie magic I trust you but the (laughs) other I think part of it is that because we're such a young company and we have so much energy like there's so we're at an inflection point where we could be doing a lot of different things we could be creating media properties we have a podcast that we do with influencers called justice vibing we could be doing more Gen Z crash courses and conferences. There's a lot of different things that we could be focusing our priorities on. 
but yeah. what time and what energy and what plan of action are we going to do that with? So I think it's just growing pains of being in, in the startup space and having broken minds, honestly, and having new ideas every other day. And sometimes being like, no, like we're just managing our day-to-day jobs. Like we are, can't think about five years ahead from that necessarily. We yeah. are, but I think there's so many things we want to do and kind of figuring out what our roadmap looks like. Um, is always difficult because we're growing so much as a business that just managing our day-to-day operations sometimes can feel a little overwhelming, you know? And that's just, realities of being in a startup though. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I'm sure being a 22 year old running a company can be very overwhelming. (laughs) But um, uh, one thing, I guess it's kind of like a blessing in disguise when you have um, a lot of young folks um, at your company because that energy will, you know, constantly stay high. So um, I guess it's like double-edged sword. Um, Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like, you know, new, maybe new products or new geographies that um, Juve wants to expand to, um, can you provide any insights to that? Yeah, I think if you asked my co-founder, his dream would be that we have our own office that we get to decorate. I know this is like not exactly a KPI metric, but no. we've been in the same WeWork for about, yeah, the past six years. We started off in like a small two-person office. We've expanded same, more and more in the same building. It's like, you know, by Bryant Park is actually not uh, like it's a central location. We chose it because we were all in college at the time and we need to be close to Penn Station yeah. and Grand Central. So at the time, there were a lot of factors you can take consideration. Did not think that six years later we'd be in the same building, but now we have private offices and a cute little terrace. But nice. I think it'd be so fun to have. I'm actually very pro having we work in the sense that it's a great product because yeah. I have a bathroom anywhere in the city. It's amazing. Um, anytime I want to have universal access, I can go there or I can go to London and I have an office anywhere. So it's quite powerful. I think that'd be super fun and having a space that we could like even have as like a studio and have people make content because we know so many Gen Z influencers and founders and activists and thought leaders that might all want to convene together. And we do a lot of events and dinner parties. And that could be super exciting to have a physical space to bring all these people together. And I think it would also be really exciting to... My dream in some ways is that everyone, at, there's so many brilliant people at you, right? I'm going to spend time and talk with you, but yeah. people are much more interesting on my team. And if they could have the visibility or the ability to get to be on podcasts, get to like tweet about their own hot takes and like have them like picked up by journalists or go to conferences and talk about their specific niche interests because we all have varied interests at Juve. Um, that would be really powerful because then it's not just like you're hearing a founder story, you're getting to hear like a community, a, t- a team story and also getting to see the view through the the, the world through their view or their lens. And yeah. I, I would say, you know, I want to be a, my dream is to be a chef during the day and a DJ at night. So if you want to talk about music, you want to talk about food, you want to talk about community, I can do that. If you want to talk about crypto, um, we can talk about my critiques about it and how I think there's a lot of fault and the market is down, but you should probably talk to my CFO who reads about this all the time and like wants to start a meta verse crypto podcast. Um, if you brought me on, I would just be roasting and flaming, but you know, maybe it's where the world is headed and that's okay. But, um, I have, I have, I have takes on it, but my team also has, you know, different takes on it as well. So I think that would be very, very exciting if we go to a place where everyone feels like they're almost getting to be a talking head about specific things that they care about. And it's not just down to like one or two key stakeholders. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, having everyone's voices and thoughts just being um, illuminated is key in any organization. And the fact that, 
you know, like you said, you're, you want to be a chef and a DJ, your CFO wants to talk about crypto. I, I think that's all great once it all comes together. So um, quick, lighthearted question. Um, like what kind of food do you cook? Um, okay. I said, I want to, I shouldn't have said chef because now I'm being put on the spot. So I think <laughs> eggs are the most powerful like food item in the world in the sense that you can poach them, you can yeah. like bake them, you can put them in things, etc. So I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I basically my style of cooking is whatever's in the fridge. I can make something out of it. And leftovers are literally an interest on my resume. So that's how I cook. So it can't be like, oh my God, like I'm really good at making biryani because I'm not. It takes four hours to make. However, if you gave me six ingredients and you were like master chef it up, chop it up, like I could do that. So awesome. that'll be my answer to you. And if I was to run a restaurant, it'd probably be a food truck, be a food truck where you take all that. I don't have a way to figure out the supply chain of this, but I would take all like the excess food that restaurants don't use or like the excess products that they're like, oh, it's not pretty enough or good enough, et cetera. And then aggregate it together and then change the menu every day. That's my dream. That's actually, on it. That's actually brilliant. No, seriously, I, I would bring you back onto this podcast for that venture. Okay, done. Now, now <laughs> I have to do it, <laughs> literally. So you heard it here first. <laughs> for sure. Um, any any message to young entrepreneurs like yourself um, or just Gen Z in general? You know, um, our like world is ever changing. It's uh, like ten years ago what it looked like versus now. It's it is drastically different, and I'm sure ten years down the line it's going to look even more different. So, any um, you know messages that you have for them? I alluded to this earlier, but this idea that who we are as as individuals are being and our being is divorced from our workplace or from home or from school, I think is a complete fallacy. I fundamentally think that people have to be mindful of how their lived experiences and their identity and who they are has to show up in, the, in all the spaces they occupy. Whenever you meet people, it's like, hi. And then honestly, the next question might not even be, how are you? It's where do you work and what do you do? We live in such a society that's influenced by capitalism that's influenced by work workplace culture and our identity being tethered tethered to that so I think a lot a lot of my understanding of the world around me has come from the things that I hold most important and I think that influences the people that you choose to spend your time with and the spaces that you occupy and especially for folks that come from marginalized communities or from markers of their identity that you felt like you've always had to suppress. I think we're now in a moment and time where um, there's a lot of polarization in the world. However, this is something that's even true with Gen Z. When you claim this idea of community, it's like we're claiming more people of us to be us, right? Like I might have a different political ideology than you, or you might be voting differently, but there's a level of empathy or level of understanding that the fundamentals are true, like Black Lives Matter, climate change is real. Like we need to be doing more for social justice reform policies and incremental change is only gonna get us so far, right? Whether you choose to do that within the system or outside of the system or in a different way through your political leaning, like that's up to your discretion. However, even when we've done research or talk to young people, right? And just like talk to our peers, it's shocking to see how much similarity there are in those fundamental basic values. So yeah. I think my main advice would be that whether it's your workplace, whether it's school, right? Whether it's like you're seeing a lacking of an XYZ place, like the worst thing that can happen is that someone says no to you. And that if there's other ways for you to 
get, you know, get what you want. Like you should do what you can to get there. That was a very terrible sound bite. I don't know what exactly I said there. Like that's, <laughs> I'm just gonna like skip that. But I think my point really being that the personal is political and understanding who you are holistically matters in your workplace and holding people accountable also matters. So understanding number one, like who it is, who you are and what your fundamental core values in some ways are is really important. And secondly, understanding how that then influences how you hold your workplace accountable or your home life accountable, whether it's your mom and dad or your school um, really matters because I think a lot of, we shouldn't downplay how much individual actions matter for people um, yeah. when it comes to their identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's all great advice. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, you definitely hit the head on the nail there about, you know, we kind of have to like combine our work that we do along with like our principles, because at the end of the day, you know, like we can feel however we want to feel about certain issues in our society, but if we're not tackling them from like an institutional level, then it kind of gets iffy, you know? Um, there's no like real resourcing, there's no real like, you know, money backing up whatever that solution is. So um, I think it, that's key. Uh, so definitely good advice there. Um, any parting messages? I know we're sort of coming to the end here. Any parting messages for our listeners? Um, before you head out. My parting message. You know, I've asked this all the time. So what is my parting message? Okay. Um, my parting message would be, okay, I, I'll give you a few pieces of advice. If you're in the city and you want to get a halal cart, do not go to halal, guys. Go to halal cart. There are two types of people in the world. Go to the carts. Agreed. Secondly, um, make time, like structure time, it depends on the type of person you are, but I'm an anal person that needs everything on my calendar. So make structure time where you force yourself to just be still with your thoughts. And I think that's something that I realized in the pandemic was how powerful it is to reflect because the pandemic was a moment, which we're still in, but when it first hit us, it was a moment of cultural reset, of spiritual, mental health resets that we all had to then interrogate in a lot of ways and I think people became really cognizant of how they spend their time in their lives and also the, the company that you keep right I really believe that you're an average of the five people that you're closest to so being able to actually sit down and reflect on how am I spending my time how am I who am I giving my energy to do they deserve my energy are all things that I think are so 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 important the last thing that I'll say is um have time to like be silly and I think this is something that I really reflected on a lot more is that I think like I've always had a five-year plan I'm like okay it's great that I'm doing this now but what am I doing tomorrow and what am I doing in a year and where am I going and the way that I get my energy out or spontaneity out is by going to concerts because I am crazy and if you told me you're going to a concert tonight and I've never heard of the artist I will listen to all their discography and then know all the lyrics by like 8 p.m. Like we have eight hours. I can figure it out. Um, and I did that literally two days ago. I went to Phoebe Bridgers show and I don't really listen to Phoebe Bridgers that, Bridgers that much. And I listened to all her entire set list for 11 hours. And then I went to the show and I knew the words. So wow. I don't know all the words. So I shouldn't gas myself up that much. But my point being, it's very liberating to be a little silly. And I think we should make more time to do that. So those are my parting thoughts um, for you. Couldn't have said it any better. 
So <laughs> thank you. you. Know, yeah, how are you? What are you gonna do to be silly? Me. Yeah. Um, like right now on this podcast. Yeah, sure. I want on the podcast. Maybe later tonight, tomorrow. I don't know. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Um, silly, silly. Let me think. Huh. Like you really put me on the spot. I know. I, I know. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. You, I gotta reverse it. Back. I gotta uno reverse it on you. You know. Yeah. Well, okay. So I do do a lot of pranks uh, on my friends and my family, like w whether it comes to like, let's say they're walking down the hallway and uh, you know, they don't know I'm behind them or you know, next to them, I might scare them, <laughs> things like that. Okay, <laughs> I love that, I'll go do that right now, I'll do that today. <laughs> like spontaneous things like that. Is that um, the best prank you've done? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Best prank I've done. Wow, these are questions I was not expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. No, I kind of like know, it. I know. <laughs> and also, like, you know, came back from a really long flight, so my memory is just like... No, that's very valid. Props to you for doing this, honestly. <laughs> no. Shout out to Alham for this. Mm -hmm. No, thank you so much for taking your time. But um, this was super fun. Um, definitely enjoy the conversation and, you know, hearing about your company, your journey. Um, I'm definitely rooting for you guys because I think what you're doing is very unique and it's it's not anything that I've seen in the market before. Um, and I'm really excited for the future because like you said, metaverse is coming out. Um, things are going to get more digitized. It's probably going to get harder to generate these insights, but I, I definitely believe in you guys. <laughs>